Well, folks, thanks for tuning in. You are listening to The Drew Marshall Show. That's my name. We're in the studio here with Tim the Tool, Alex the Intern, and Linda the Death Cafe Chick. <laughs> what a weird show. Uh, it's, And I'm glad it's like this. I'm glad we're doing a show, an entire show on death. Uh, that is a subject that I... I don't know. It's, it's close to my heart. Not too close, because that would yeah, be a short that show. That would be a short show. John Underwood, he's the founder of Death Cafe. John founded Death Cafe back in 2011, offering group-directed conversation about death in 31 countries, probably more now. He's also a funeral advisor with the Natural Death Center, a trip advisor (laughs) for the funeral industry, love that, and works with uh, Find Me Help with Dying Matters, the UK's most comprehensive directory of services for dying people and their families, careers, and friends. And Linda Stewart, who you heard in our previous interview, is the founder of the Toronto Death Cafe. So, let's see if John is on the line and what kind of a cool accent he has. Hello, John. Hello. Good evening. Good evening. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? <laughs> Have you had tea and bickies yet? Ah, uh, yes. Yes, a bit of a pea super over here in <laughs> London town. Ah, uh, you're fun. John, uh... How well do you know Linda? Is there any dirt that you need to know about Linda? Do you guys know each other? Is there anything you want me to tell you about her, like the truth? Uh, yeah. Come on, reveal all. <laughs> uh, Linda, have you, when did you, have you guys met face-to-face? No, no. We had a, John held a conference call with the, uh, with the Celebrant Foundation, which is where I, where I took my training, and he presented the idea of Death Cafe to funeral celebrants, suggesting that we might make good hosts events and that was back in that was early spring <laughs> early spring 2013 john so yeah. have, have you ever spoken to each other though? no we've just this had is a the f- first time yeah hi oh. john <laughs> yeah. hi linda hi john do you have any other death cafe facilitators who have tried to stalk you and creep on you like linda has no linda's never done anything like that all right linda, linda's just a fantastic person who understands the value of this work and has chosen to champion it in her area. So, did I have it right? 31 countries? Yeah, I think so. I think it might be 32. But certainly, there's a lot of people out there who want to talk about death and they want to do it on their terms. And, you know, they found the Death Cafe format works for them. And people have been having fantastic conversations about death. So uh, the thing I don't understand, John, about this Death Cafe, I've been to two-ish, uh, and uh, it, it is really formatless in, in many ways. It's very chilled. You are really relying on people to carry their own conversations about death. You don't have speakers. You don't have PowerPoint presentations. You don't have crafts, which is good because I hate crafts. Uh, but you know what I mean? It's pretty chilled, man. Yeah, no, absolutely. What we saw is that there's a lot of stuff around there which is quite prescriptive and will tell you how to deal with death. And there's a lot of people who tell you they will, they know. Uh, and we thought, you know, that's cool. And if people want that, they can go and get it. But we wanted to do something different. And the first one, I asked my mum to facilitate my mother. And um, I, she said, OK, I'll facilitate a death cafe if you want. Um, but what is it? And I had to work it out. I didn't have a blueprint. And I got people writing down stuff on cards and, um, you know, putting things in envelopes. And at the end, we burned these envelopes 
in the fireplace and so it was quite structured and in retrospect it was very controlling and afterwards I was talking to my mum and she said you know that was great but all the envelopes and the writing and the burning just let people talk and from ever since she said that that's exactly what we've done and just let people talk and that's what people want to do. Okay well it is a fascinating look I could talk to a dead cow about anything. I mean, I'm just a chatty Cathy, so I have no problem carrying conversation, asking questions. As a matter of fact, when I was there and moving from table to table, just chatting. Uh, by the way, let me just, Linda, set it up so people grasp what this is. Mm-hmm. People find out about Death Cafe somehow. Yeah. They find where one is close to them. They can find out actually on, on John's website, the main Death Cafe website. Deathcafe.com. Yes. You can actually do a search by your postal code, your zip code, and... Uh, closest death cafes will come up and then you, you send a note to the person who's running it or you find out when it is and just show up you have to tell them you're coming or just show it, up every every host does it a little differently because toronto death cafe had has been quite popular so i do ask for rs rsps just I, right. rsvps i should say yeah, well, RSVPs, <laughs> RSVPs, RSVPs nice would be good too. Yeah. um <laughs> so people arrive and they sit at a table usually the tables are four to six people Right. And they just talk. But that's, you see what I mean? Like, I know, I know. Like, I, I, I know. I get I've nervous been... about people just talking. Because here's what happens. You get, and I told you this, you get, you know, some socially different people who yeah. hijack the conversation yeah. and turn it into, they maybe want to turn it into a, a grieving session yeah. week after week. Well, we do our best. We do our best to let people know ahead of time that it's not, it's not a grief support group. And uh, that's really all we can do. Hmm. John, what what do you think about that? <laughs> well, I don't really see that happening. I mean, there's a big... People really enjoy the Death Cafe events. You know, we do evaluations following a lot of them, and people tend to rate them really highly, so they've had a great time. And um, often they'll say, you know, when's the next one? Definitely come along. Yeah. But what actually happens is there's a significant turnaround in general between one event and another, you know, 60% will be new people. And so what's happening for most people is, you know, they come in and they they have a good chat and they talk about death and they air out their thoughts, get some new ideas or whatever, and then they just move on and get on with their life. So it's not intended to be a, a sort of structured format which has got progression or anything like that. And there are those things out there and those things are great. This is just something that people can drop in, it's very informal, it's very structured, and talk about how it is for them, and maybe meet some interesting people, maybe get some good ideas. But in general, compared to um, other conversations of this type, it, it's really rich, it's really meaty, and, and people really appreciate it. Yeah, those those statistics that you stated, that, that would appear to be what I'm seeing at, at Toronto is about... About 60%. Um, 60% what? 60% kind of go away, and f- we get a new... We've got about 40, 30 to 40% people oh, are returned. Yeah. Not every time, but maybe every other time, because we'll right. maybe have four or five a year. Um, so what does that mean? They thought it sucked and they don't want to come back? Or they've gotten out, they've gotten off their chest what they wanted to talk about? Or Well, it's not, it's not that they're never going to come back, but they just maybe not come back a month as or regular, two. As yeah. regular, right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, talking about death is a very normal and natural thing to do. Uh, you know, it's obviously something which affects us all to a, at, at some point. 
And, you know, people want to talk about it. And what we've not been good at as a society is creating a safe and appropriate place for people to do that in. And so that's what we're hoping to offer with Death Cafe. Ultimately, John, what is it that you're hoping to achieve by Death Cafe? Are you just, are you being in England, is that something to do with it? Nobody in Britain likes to talk about Well, yeah, <laughs> I, I would imagine that, that that's got to play a role in you starting Death Cafe because you are, correct me if I'm wrong, John, but I think you're part of a culture that really, you guys are professional carpet sweepers. You you, you know, the, the Brits are, are known for the stiff upper lip and, 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 and uh, sweeping under the carpet, the, the real touchy-feely below-the-surface stuff. Am I wrong? Mm, no, no, definitely that's correct. But also, for some unknown reason, we're, we've, we've got good ideas around death and dying. So, for example, um, in 1950, the 50s, Dame Cicely Saunders pioneered what's now become the modern hospice uh, movement and, you know, really moved things forward around palliative care and, and, and uh, dying with uh you know, a proper care and whatnot, and that's now gone worldwide. And then organisations like the Natural Death Centre, uh, which have been going since the 80s, have really made a difference on a global scale around natural burial and, you know, um, that kind of thing. And now we're, um, we're doing um, some work around talking about death. So, you know, Brits have always kind of um, been involved in these, uh, shifts, I think, around death and dying and, and see Death Cafe as a continuum of that. First of all, let's just talk about the name, Death Cafe. Uh, that's the number one reason I was interested in Death Cafe, because the contrast in terms, you know, those terms sort of, it plays against type, right? You think about cafes, you think, uh, I don't know, there just seems to be something cheeky about the title, and I love I love that yeah. kind of cheek, right? So, yeah. th- so well done with that is kind of what I want to say, but then... Okay. Um, then really this came out of like i want to know what personal stuff drove you to this did you have some death in your life and and thought gee whiz wouldn't it be good to have a group of people uh, talking about this no not really it was kind of born of frustration so um i first encountered um worker of this kind of work not because of any personal bereavement but through studying buddhism um, and that was around um, 2000, about 16 years ago, 15 years ago. And um, there's a big emphasis on um, looking at death and dying uh, in the Buddhist tradition. And I got very interested uh, in that and something sort of connected with me. And I read a lot about it and I um, did hospice volunteering and trained in spiritual care for the dying and all those kind of things. And um, then I kind of left all that alone. And I went to work in a local government uh, in London and had lots of ideas and wanted to really change things and, and did manage to make a bit of a difference, but generally was completely uh, unable to shift some of the big problems that I saw um, and, and just gave up, really, and thought, you know, how can you shift institutions? What is that stuckness which presents? that prevents positive change, do you know what I mean? And I thought about that for years, literally, and um, then I suddenly had a flash, the penny dropped, and I thought that work around death, that talks to that culture of, you know, not being, of lacking change, of, you know, supporting the status quo, even though it's wrong, you know, and I thought, 
doing some work around death. That's what I want to do. And I had lots of ideas at that point. And one of them was a project on talking about death. And um, I told people about these. I was just talking to everyone about it. I was so excited. And then my stepfather gave me a clipping from a newspaper which talked about the work of this Swiss sociologist called Bernard Cretaz. And he pioneered something called Café Mortel in Switzerland, which was just basically talking uh, about death in a public place with food and drink. And just saw it and thought, that's it, that's it, that's it. And then just on the basis of that, started developing Death Café, and it's all sort of come out of that, really. Wow. Okay. Linda? You know, I think I think my motivation and a lot of the other hosts out there for uh, the motivation for facilitating this type of event is not so much the emphasis being placed on death but on life and I think that's what that's what we have to talk about with people and they say why do you do this it's so morbid why would you want to get together with a bunch of people and talk about death and I think what I would love for people to know is that the emphasis really is on life you can't talk about death without talking about life and you know morbid if you define morbid it's an unhealthy obsession with something um and I don't think that attending Death Cafe is an unhealthy obsession. I think it's I think it's unhealthy not to talk about something that with 100% certainty is going to happen to each and every one of us. Have either of you had pushback? Have either of you had people write to you or speak to you and say, you're nuts, this is ridiculous, what is your problem? Linda? I've had people look at me like I'm crazy and say, why are you doing this? And I've had some people say, that's cool, and I've had some people... Because yeah. not everybody is... No, not everybody. None of my family have ever been to a death cafe. I can't get anybody to come. <laughs> <laughs> not even the first one. I couldn't get any of them to come. I offered to pay my son, and he wouldn't come. <laughs> <laughs> wow, wow. If I had known you could get paid for attending your death cafe, I would have come up a long time ago. Um, John, what about you? Any pushback? Do you, get, you must get emails from people saying you're off your nutter. Um, very rarely. And there's, uh, there was one Italian... Um, article in an Italian newspaper which I think took us to pieces and sort of dismissed us as ridiculous and then I've just had about one email saying I hate your project and I hope it fails <laughs> I think just one but the most interesting one is have you ever heard of Alex Alex Fox no I can't remember his name he's a Fox News correspondent Alex Jones oh no, no not hold on not Alex Jones, the conspiracy theorist guy. Yes. Him, well, speaking... Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Speaking of nutters, yes. Yeah. That's yeah, all I have to made, say. He made a video about how a death cafe was just some part of a plot by the government to <laughs> open us up for the eugenics agenda or something like that. It's still on YouTube. It's priceless. <laughs> Well, you know you've made it when Alex Jones takes the mickey. Or, well, no, exactly. I guess it, you know. Exactly. Anyway. Um, okay, so um, your your goal, just before we say goodbye to you, John, your goal for Death Cafe, where would you like to see Death Cafe, you know, in 10 years? Would you like to see it in every country? Would you like to see, I mean, other than more chapters, is there is there any anything you'd like to see happen with Death Cafe? Yes, well, I'm working on a project at the moment to set up a... Uh, a physical death cafe in London. I don't understand that. A physical death cafe? Yeah, so it would be something well, yeah. that's open to the public uh, with death cafe above the door. 
and it would serve tea and cake. You could take away or sit down, and also it would offer events around themed around death and dying. Death cafes, of course, it would host those, lots of those, but also other things uh, could be art, film, poetry, music, it could be training, it could be support groups, it could be sort of uh, political discussion even, potentially. Um, And yeah, uh, a place offering that um, in the centre of London. And so we're launching a community share offer where people can support this project if they feel inclined to by buying a share of it, which they could later sort of withdraw. Uh, Then they would own a part of it and uh, have voting rights and whatnot. And that goes live on the 19th of October, so two weeks on Monday. Uh, So I'm working frantically towards that. Good for you. Good for you. I wish you the best. I hope it kills. Thank Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. I'm here all week. John Underwood, what a pleasure to chat with you. Thank you for founding Death Cafe. Uh, Having grown up in the funeral industry and uh, having been a former pastor, hospital chaplain, and having been someone who, for the last 13 years, some of my most, uh, I don't know, impactful interviews have been with people who are facing death. Uh, I'm a big believer in Death Cafe. I love the concept, and I, I'm just thankful you you, uh, you got the thing going, John. So thanks, mate. Oh, that's great. No, thanks very much for your support. I really appreciate it. Right. Lovely to Linda. Uh, Linda, do you want to just have a little a little moment there with John? Oh, John, it was so nice to finally <laughs> chat with you. And yeah. you know what? Next time I'm in Britain, and I, I really hope I'm I hope I'm there within the next couple of years, I... I look forward to coming to your death cafe. What she's really yeah. saying is she needs a place to stay. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be welcome. <laughs> Thanks, John. Take care, mate. All right. Bye. Bye. Good night. Linda Stewart, I want to read to uh, everyone a bit of your bio and just, just talk a little bit more about you, even though you don't want me to. Linda Stewart is a life cycle celebrant. Life cycle. Aren't those the things in gyms? <laughs> yes. A treadmill expert. So do you cheer people on as they're on the bicycles? A life cycle celebrant, I'm, I'm assuming that means you uh, you celebrate all aspects of life, marriage, beginnings, marriage. Actually, the, the term celebrant is not regulated, so the term life cycle celebrant means that I've had special, thorough training in the area of ceremony creation. Whoa. Ooh. Specializing in funerals, weddings, and bar mitzvahs. <laughs> Uh, she creates and performs one-of-a-kind ceremonies. Founded the Toronto Death Cafe. Uh, people can go to, uh, is that a Facebook group? Yeah. So mm-hmm. go to Facebook and type in Toronto Death Cafe. That's right. True story? Yes. And uh, her own website, should you wish to hire her services or find out more about her, is linda-stewart.ca. What were the girls last week? What did they say? <laughs> linda, dash. Linda, dash. Stewart. Linda, dash. Stewart. And can we just say Stewart is S-T-U-A-R-T? Right. Thank you. The Scottish way? The the right way. way. The right way. (laughs) Stuart. So you also serve, and I want to talk about this just before we say goodbye, serve as the chair of the Unforgettables Fund Toronto chapter. And that is about what? Uh, The Unforgettables Fund exists to help grieving families uh, who are financially strained uh, pay for their child's funeral. So the Toronto chapter is aligned with sick kids, and there's a chapter in Ottawa and another chapter in London. So that's amazing. Like that's wow. That's really cool that you do that. There's a just connected. Did you just to totally sell something. interrupt her? Yeah, but I just one of the people at our, our school, our woodworking teacher, uh, creates memory boxes, mm-hmm. sort of the same thing, specifically for when children die, that families can keep 
some of the specific mementos of, of that child, like, you know, their, their blankie, their toy, and all that kind of stuff. Because people need that and don't think about it at the time. But, I mean, financially, that's – I just can't imagine well, that. Well, if, if you can imagine that you've got a child that's been ill for, you know, months, years, their whole life, perhaps, and what you've – the sacrifices that you've made in every respect mm-hmm. um, and – the last thing you want to be worrying about when you're watching your child die is uh, is how you're going to pay for their funeral. And I'd like to just say the funeral industry is great about providing services and, and products at a discount, but uh, nothing is free. So the Unforgettables is there to mm-hmm. help. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, uh, Linda. I've gotten to know you a little bit over the last couple months. But you're, you are the right person at the right time doing the right thing. You really are. This is a perfect fit for you as a human being. Uh, you lead with your heart. And you walk along whatever journey people are on. So uh, I'm a fan, is what I'm trying to say. At the risk of sounding a little creepy, I'm a fan. Linda hyphen Stewart. (laughs) I like your middle name. (laughs) We need to buy lindastewart.com. We need to find that. Find that person. I that. We tried to make that. There is a person, and she's in Toronto. Oh, come on. She's a writer. I know. I know. How about Martha Stewart? Stewart. That that (laughs) might be open. That may be open. (laughs) 